Tonight on Fig Tree Watchers, was the death of Jesus Christ really predicted in the Old Testament? I mean, clearly, we're going to ask that question tonight and find out the answer next on Fig Tree Watchers. So stay tuned. Oh man, is it Monday? That means we're going to the Gospel of Mark. And uh, we are in Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 32. This is going to be good. So that is tonight here on the West Coast Gospel Hour. So invite your friends and stay tuned because we're going to be looking at the death of Christ in the Old Testament uh, through the congruency of God's Word. And we're going to help you answer the question in your own mind, was Jesus' death really predicted? Did he really have to die? We're going to answer all those questions for you tonight and a lot more as we go through the congruency of Mark chapter 9 verses 30 through 32. So stay tuned because it's going to be a good one. And if you have someone who's kind of questioning whether or not Jesus really died, we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, You're going to want to bring your friends on, invite them on. Share the podcast tomorrow. Uh, Share this live broadcast with a friend. Invite them. It is going to be a blast. Welcome, everyone. It is Monday night. Hey, we want to remind you that um, we share a lot of this content uh, with you on our website. And we would love to invite you to check out figtreewatchers.com, as always. And... uh, We have some great posts on there and some interesting insight that is uh, available to you and uh, to your friends and and family. So check it out. Check out the podcast. And now we understand that these podcasts are available on um, all the major platforms now. It looks like including Amazon Prime. So we want to really invite you to check that out. Uh, I guess it's called Amazon Music to be uh, absolutely accurate there. Well, uh, we know that there's a lot of chaos going on on Instagram. And um, we know that there's a lot of uh, hacking going on and we see it all the time. Um, We've been talking about it for weeks. And so a lot of people are saying, hey, I didn't message you. This was a hack. there's an important way I want to give this as a, a, a service reminder to the community on Instagram. Uh, make sure that you go in and double verify your account. Um, and that is one of the way, two, they call it a two-stage authentication in order to protect your account. If you haven't done that, do that. Christians are being targeted on Instagram. Um, uh, and so this is a really big thing to deal with. Um, we want to encourage you get that two-stage authentication on your account and protect yourself. Uh, it will prevent y- your account and reduce the risk of you um, getting hacked according to Facebook and Instagram. Other than that, let us begin tonight to uh, get in the Word of God. But before we do, we, as always, we want to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight and we ask you, God, that you would help us, O Lord, that um, your word would penetrate the hearts and minds of people around the world, God, 
that you would prepare us, Lord, for your coming. And God, you would help us to understand that your word is true because it predicted your first coming. It predicted your death and resurrection. And Lord, it it definitely predicts your second coming. So God, we just pray uh, that your word would penetrate our hearts, renew our minds, transform our lives so that we may be more like you, O Lord, in our daily walk. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, well, we are back in the on Monday nights as we go, continue our series in the Gospel of Mark. We are in chapter 9, um, and we are in verses 30 uh, through 32. So as always, let's begin with the scripture reading tonight. And uh, starting in verse 30 of chapter 9 of Mark. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying, and they were afraid to ask him. This seems like a very short passage that we are doing tonight, but it is actually a very uh, big passage because it incorporates a lot of information in it. Jesus is with his disciples. He's beginning to give them some private uh, lessons, some confidential uh, materials that he is sharing with them. He's telling them, look, I'm, I'm going to die. And the disciples are writing down these words, but they're not understanding it. They're recording the information at these confidential briefings that they're getting from Jesus, but they're not comprehending it. They're not grasping it. Um, and in order to understand why they're not grasping it, let's kind of look at, pull back for a moment and look at the big picture here um, in what we're seeing. And in order to do that, we're going to go first off to Luke chapter uh, 19, verses 41 and 42. All right. And this is a, kind of an important passage in this. Jesus is coming up to Jerusalem in this passage and he looks over Jerusalem and he says this in verse 40 of Luke 19. I tell you, he answered, if they remain silent, the very stones will cry out. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He said, if only you had known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. In fact, this is a prediction that the Jews would be blinded to the truth of Jesus Christ. He's predicting it, Jesus is. But he's saying on this day, if you'd known what was happening on this day. Now, this is important because this brings about another interesting prophecy that was written. And we're going to look at it. And it's from Jeremiah thirty-five seventeen. Therefore, this is what the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel says, Behold, I will bring to Judah and to all the residents of Jerusalem all disaster I've pronounced against them, because I've spoken to them, but they have not obeyed, and I have called to them, but they have not answered. 
This prophecy in Jeremiah 35, 7 is actually predicting the destruction of Jerusalem that would take place in 70 AD. And Jesus is telling them in Luke 19, look, if they only understood what this day is about, if they only remembered, if they only had paid attention, well, what is this day that Jesus is referring to? Very simply, we need to look at a couple of passages. One of them is Psalms 118. In Psalms 118, starting in verse 22, it says, The stone builders, the stone which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Once again, it is referring to this day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. That is a passage referring to the verse that Jesus is speaking of in Luke 19. What is this day? Well, it was predicted by Daniel. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. And we're going to see this passage starting in verse 25. I'm sorry, verse 25. Now, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome time. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. So it's talking about 62 weeks and the Messiah will be cut off. It's referring to the death of Jesus Christ, right? Now, what's interesting that this passage is referring to is if you do the math in those days, in uh, Hebrew times, they had a 360 day calendar. So if you take the calculation, which is uh, the number of days of 360 days, and you calculate this, and what this is, is it's 483 years will pass. And the way that we get that uh, is by doing seven times seven and 62 weeks times seven equals 69 times seven, that's 483 years. These 483 years include the 49 years to rebuild and stabilize Jerusalem and the period of 423 years before the anointed one, the Messiah comes. So if you take those that time frame and that equals 173,880 days, if you take that from 444 BC, when Jerusalem's walls, the declaration of the command that was given by Cyrus, uh, by uh, the, the prophet Nehemiah, right? To build the walls that he was given, okay? From the Persian emperor until the Messiah came 32 AD. That would literally take you from the date to April 6th, 32 AD, according to Chuck Missler, who's mapped this all out very well. And that is the exact day that Jesus enters into Jerusalem, that he's weeping over it. And he says, if you would only understand this day, this day. So 
This is not only a prophecy of Daniel, it's a mathematical prophecy that absolutely came true to the very day. And here's the problem. The people didn't know it. They didn't realize it was coming. Now, here's the interesting thing that I want to share with you about this prophecy from Daniel. It is both literal and it is both mathematical and it was fulfilled literally and mathematically to the very day. There are those who want you to believe this idea that scripture is to be interpreted allegorically or symbolically or figuratively. The problem is with this is that every single scripture of Jesus's first coming was literally fulfilled. We're going to look at some of these tonight as we're looking at this scripture that Jesus predicted. Literally fulfilled. So the same writers who wrote about the first coming of Jesus wrote it literally and it was fulfilled literally. But today's scholars and, and seminary preachers and pastors of churches want you to not believe at all in the second coming of Jesus. They want you to, to put that down as hogwash because they're saying those same writers that f prophesied about the first coming of Jesus that did it literally are now talking allegorically about the second coming of Christ. And that makes no sense. Why would God change in such a manner? He doesn't. In fact, James tells us in chapter one that God does not change like the shifting of shadows. He doesn't. He, his word is eternal. And if God is giving you prophecies of the first coming that are to be interpreted literally because they were fulfilled literally, then we need to understand that the second coming prophecies are also literal and are to be, will be fulfilled literally. So we can interpret them literally. We can understand that the tribulation is not about the church. It's about the Jewish people. It's about Israel. It's because Daniel says, this is about what? In verse 24 of Daniel chapter nine, the 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgressions to make an end of sin. So we can look at that. It's, it is exactly for Daniel's people, for the holy city of Jerusalem. It's about Jerusalem, the center point of the, the final week, the tribulation, the 70th week, which is the, the, uh, represents the, the seven year tribulation. It's about Jerusalem. It's about the Jewish people. It's to finish their transgression that they committed against God to bring an end to sin, to make a reconciliation. Why? With the Jewish people. Why? Because Paul says that all the people are going, uh, all of Israel will be saved. To bring an everlasting righteousness, it's to usher in the millennial reign of Christ and to seal up uh, the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy, right? Because Christ will be reigning as king. He'll be anointed as king. And this is so important to understand this. So when Jesus is giving this prophecy, we can take it literally, but it's not the only thing that Jesus is saying. Jesus is also telling you that he's going to be betrayed. And this is also very important to understand. So let's look at some of the scriptures from the Old Testament that predict the um, Jesus, 
right? That predict Jesus and what it's talking about. We know that um, some of the literal prophecies that are included is, for example, Psalms 22, verse 1, where it begins to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Number one, this is written in Aramaic. Jesus, when he dies, he says this, but he also speaks it out in Aramaic. And this is uh, very, very powerful, okay? Um, so David, there is no leap month in this time frame. If you look at it because it was a 360-day calendar, you have to remember the calendar was changed into a lunar calendar um, post um, AD. I mean, it's it was changed by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When Jesus, when Daniel is predicting this, he's not using the lunar calendar. Actually, he's using the calendar of the Essenes that the Essenes had. And I recommend that if you want to check out that calendar, um, check out the uh, information um, from um, uh, BibleFacts.org. Check that out, and that's they have the Essene calendar up there, and that's what the Essenes looked at as well. So check that out. It's a really good calendar, and I'd recommend it. That's why the leap year has nothing to do with it um, and why we don't need to calculate the leap year into it. It was 360-day calendar. Then they went, the Pharisees and Sadducees changed it to a lunar calendar, which added to the delusion that they were under. Um, but look at the... the um, Look at the one that the Essenes had and like I said, BibleFacts.org, um, which is by Dr. Ken Johnson. That was the name I was thinking of. Dr. Ken Johnson, look him up and you'll find that. Uh, he actually has the calendar in one of his books and, and it really explains everything very clearly uh, and very easily actually. But great question and I recommend that for you. Um, Going back to this, after Psalms 22.1, we then come to Psalms 22.7 and 8. And he says, All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shake their heads. He, They say, He trusts in the Lord. They say, Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. This also was predicted. And it was fulfilled in the New Testament. So Psalms 22, 7, 8 was fulfilled when Jesus died. They were mocking him, saying, if he's God, let him be rescued by the angels. Let him come off the cross. In Psalms 22, 16, 18, it says, Dogs surrounded me. A pack of villainous encircles me. They pierce my hands and feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. This psalm was written by David approximately 1,000 years before Christ came. And I want to highlight with the psalm the many references to the actual crucifixion of Christ. So in Matthew 27, 46, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Also found in Mark 15, 34. They mocked and hurled insults, shaking their heads at Jesus. Matthew 27, 39. Mark 15, 29. They shouted, he trusts in the Lord, let the Lord save him. That was found in Matthew 27, 41 through 43. They nailed him to a cross, piercing his hands and feet. Matthew 27, 35. They divided his clothes and cast lots for them. Matthew 27, 35. Mark 15, 24. Luke 23, 34. The accuracy of this scripture is unbelievable. It is one of the most accurate scriptures. Psalm 22. Uh, David, 
We're reading from Psalm 22. Then in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. This also fulfilled Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In fact, Revelation in chapter 5, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. We see it. There was the lamb. Uh, John sees the vision of the lamb of God uh, in chapter 5. Isaiah 53, 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Paul even argues the same thing in Hebrews. Um, we have a high priest who empathizes with us in every way, okay? He was tempted in every way imaginable, yet he himself did not sin. So really, really uh, powerful stuff that we're seeing here. So all these scriptures from Isaiah 53 and were fulfilled. And this is why we can trust in the word of the Lord because it says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Matthew 24, 35. So we see this incredible passage of fulfillment to take place by the prophet Daniel, predicting the exact day to which Jesus would triumphantly enter into Jerusalem to the day, April 6, 32 AD matches up perfectly and then we see um, the prophecies from psalms uh, 22 and isaiah 53 completely fulfilled but that's not it we have many others we have the prophet zechariah predicting that jesus would be portrayed for 30 pieces of silver that was literally done we have the prophet micah predicting uh that jesus would be born in bethlehem this also was fulfilled but then we have the resurrection passage on the third day coming from Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 through 2 in which it very clearly outlines that the, we will come to him and on the third day he will revive us. He will raise us up. What? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul actually mentions this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when he says, And on the third day, according to the scriptures, he was raised from the dead utilizing that same terminology that comes from Hosea chapter 6. So when we see this prediction and we see this mourning that Jesus has, when he says in Luke 19, and he gives you this very profound passage as we look at it one more time. As Jesus approaches Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept. He cries over it. And he says, if only you had known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. He's predicting to the Jewish people that your eyes will be blocked. And then he says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will barricade you and surround you and hurn you in on every side. Now he's predicting the destruction of Jerusalem in verse 42. 
and 40, I mean, 43, and in 44, they will level you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Why did they not recognize it? It was spoken to them by the prophet of Daniel. Why did the Essenes understand it? Why did the Essenes understand what was going on? Because they did not associate with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They did not use the lunar calendar that was of the pagan mindset. They used the calendar that God had set before them, that they used. And their calendar predicted it to the day and you can look at this and you can see that Daniel's prophecy literally was fulfilled to the very day when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. From the time the command was given from the emperor of Persia to the prophet of Nehemiah that the walls of Jerusalem were to be built up. From that very command you can calculate to the day and see that God's prophecy was both mathematical, it was literal, and it was fulfilled. And this is why we can trust the prophecies of the second coming to be literal and to be fulfilled literally. Those who argue for an allegoric or symbolic interpretation of scripture are doing a great disservice to the relationship with God. It is not to be interpreted allegorically and symbolically unless it states in that passage that it is to be interpreted allegorically or symbolically. And that is so important. When the scripture tells you something, believe it. Believe it. Trust the word of God with all of your heart Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. James tells us in the first chapter, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be granted to him. Why? Why does God constantly tell us to seek wisdom, to seek counsel, to trust the word of God? to not be deceived because God's word is true and every man else is a liar. Anyone who tries to attack the scripture is a liar and they contain the spirit of the antichrist. So believe God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we can know that when we read the Bible and we see the literal fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures, in the New Testament, and that Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies, over 300 of them he fulfilled. We can trust that the 2400 scriptures regarding his second coming will also be literally fulfilled. That to me is amazing. It's mind-blowing, very mind-blowing on there. So as we have come to the conclusion here in, in verse 32, 
I want to read the passage one more time for you so we can understand this. Jesus is walking um, with his disciples and he wants to give them a confidential briefing. And he says to them, starting in verse 31, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they didn't understand this saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Here's the important thing for you to take away from this passage. Romans 10, 8 through 11 tells us this important item, and I want to read it to you. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I feel like this is important. says very clearly but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach remember faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God right so what Paul is saying is the word of God is it's in your mouth right it's right near you all you have to do is believe it you have to believe it And then he emphasizes this. Paul loves to double down on his statements. He says in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Now this is important. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Will not be put to shame. So if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you believe that Christ is Lord and that he died for your sins and he rose from the dead on the third day, you believe this, your salvation is secure. You can come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I believe. I confess that Jesus is Lord, that God has raised you from the dead, and you will be saved. It's a committed promise, a covenant made in blood through what Christ did on the cross that you would be saved. For with the heart, Paul writes, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. You have to confess. You have to recognize that you are a sinner, right? First John 1, 9 and 10. But if you don't admit that you're a sinner, it, it tells you very clearly that the word of God is not in you, right? You have to confess that you are a sinner. You have to acknowledge and confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And this is important. This is very important for your salvation. Um, Quick question that um, Todd asked. He says, wasn't John Jesus' cousin in a scene? Um, John was actually a disciple of um, John the Baptist. And so um, that is where we get... um, the idea that John was an Essene because John the Baptist was an Essene. Um, we also get it from John's writings. They match up with a lot of the Essene literature 
from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, but that is not John's cousin, um, unless you're referring to John the Baptist. So if you're referring to John the disciple, um, he was not a cousin of Jesus. John's the Baptist was a cousin, uh, and he was in a scene. In fact, there is now really strong archaeological evidence that John the Baptist was actually the leader at Qumran that was predicted in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and the, um, what they call the New Damascus document um, and the rules of Qumran, it's actually talking about John the Baptist there. There's a lot of evidence for that, but there's other evidence to, to clearly outline that. In fact, what's very interesting is now scholars are now saying that when Paul went to the road of Damascus, on the road to Damascus, it was not Damascus, Syria. It was actually um, the new Damascus, which is what the community at Qumran was actually called. They referred to themselves as new Damascus. This is why we have the new Damascus document um, from the Dead Sea Scrolls. So he was actually heading there. That's why when the book of Acts refers to as Paul saying, I went up to Jerusalem after he later on visited there, he went up. Um, it makes more sense because Damascus, Syria is north of Jerusalem and you would have gone down to Jerusalem, not up to Jerusalem. So it makes a lot more sense when you look at it from a scriptural standpoint. And now with archeology, span it's turning out that that's most likely the case. He was on the road to the Qumran community at Qumran, New Damascus, to kill the Christians there who had come to Christ because they were waiting for the Messiah. They were ready for the Messiah. And that's why the community of Qumran really disappears by 70 AD. It isn't because they're wiped out. It's because the overwhelming majority of them come to Christ. They, they believe. That's why those 3,000 and 5,000 instantly come to Christ. Really interesting arguments that are made um, by archaeology now that we're having more of a clear understanding um, in the scripture. Uh, in fact, uh, probably one of the best arguments being made um, for uh, Paul um, and for the book of Hebrews is actually the Melchizedek scroll um, that Paul really refers to in the book of Hebrews. Uh, and it really highlights and articulates that Jesus is a, a Melchizedek. He is a high priest. In fact, you really see this strength of this argument through the book of Zechariah. Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, the high priest and king, um, which is exactly what Melchizedek was, a high priest and a king. And Jesus is of that order, uh, which is what Paul is arguing. Uh, any other questions? Anything else? Uh, that's about it. So, well, that is it for tonight. Um, I hope this helped you out. Um, and this has been a great study through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. And we can see that in the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, that the prediction in the Old Testament was clearly outlined. We can see that in the Old Testament, it predicted Christ's death, his suffering and his resurrection. Um, in fact, one of the things that I love is one of my favorite verses um, is from Zechariah 12.10. It says that you will look on me whom you have pierced. 
right? Whom you have pierced. He's telling this to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It is a prediction of when Christ returns. They will know. They will know. And I, I think that that is an incredible thing um, because they will know and they will believe because all of Israel will be saved according to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 11. He predicts this. Also, we know this from scriptures in the Old Testament that they do come. They come to believe. Uh, Zechariah makes that very clear uh, that the people, the inhabitants of Jerusalem believe. And uh, that is... That is something that I think is incredible, how God prepares a people and he does not abandon the commitment that he makes to them. And in the same way, we can trust that God isn't going to abandon his commitment that he made to you, the blood covenant through Jesus Christ that he made on the cross for the salvation of your soul through your forgiveness and repentance that is done. And that's awesome. I think that's awesome. Good night, everyone, and uh, we will see you tomorrow as we go through 1 Samuel, and um, I look forward to uh, um, tomorrow. 1 Samuel is going to be pretty exciting. Thursday, um, we haven't done this discussion in a long time, and we've got a lot of people asking questions about it. Thursday, we're going to have a topical discussion on aliens. Um, where are they? What does the Bible say? We're going to kind of go over that one more time. Um, because we're getting a lot of new people who are asking questions. And I think like that's a, a really good topic to bring back up again, especially with a lot of the stuff that's going on. So that will be Thursday night. Um, with that being said, uh, good night, everyone. And uh, uh, look, listen to this podcast um, tomorrow. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Take care. God bless.